Hello, my name is Thatcher, and you're listening to Rethink Motivation, a podcast where we talk to successful entrepreneurs about breaking through the struggles of starting a business and living a life that matters. Today, we'll speak with Kamanzi Constable. Kamanzi, five years ago, delivered bread for a living. Today, he frequently gets booked to speak at events, has written best-selling books, and is an expert on guest posting. He currently writes for the Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, and some other websites, and is going to help us learn how we can do the same. So without wasting any more time, let's dive into the interview and hear Kamanzi's story. It's super inspiring, and I highly recommend you listen all the way to the end. He has an awesome story, and I really hope you guys like this one. So here we go. Kamanzi, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today because you're the first person who I've had in the show who's kind of a true rags to riches story, if you will. Um, so just to give people some context as to what you've kind of done or what your story has been, uh, if someone had asked you five years ago, what do you do for a living? What would your answer have been? Uh, I would I was say I deliver bread for a living. And what would you say you do for a living today? Um, I'd say that I play. <laughs> uh, I play professionally for a living. Um, and, and that's a joke, but I would tell them I'm an author and speaker. Yeah, and it's, it's just such a crazy disconnect. Like, how do you go from, you know, delivering bread to being a speaker and author? So that's kind of what I want to dive into today, you know, just just exploring the journey you went through and how you got to where you are. So could you kind of take me back to when you were when you were towards the end of your career as a bread delivery guy and and how this journey kind of started? What was like the spark that started to grow? Well, uh it, it was a lot of things, but in 2011, by that point, I was $180,000 in debt. I was 170 pounds overweight. Um, my wife and I were having problems. Um, I was having problems pretty much with everybody. And after doing a bread delivery job, which was kind of, it was like a franchise situation, so technically it was my business, um, I was just broken at that point. Life had just, life and circumstances had just beat me up. And so when I needed to vent, I, I couldn't really talk to anybody. And so that's when I turned to something that I had forgotten when I was at, all the way up until from I was young till I was 17, I had always loved to write. Um, but at 17, I was, I was homeless. I was kicked out of my parents' house and I was homeless. So at that point, I kind of gave up on writing. But in 2011, when all this was going down, that's when I discovered writing as a way just to vent and get this off my chest. So what kind of writing were you doing at this point? Uh, I guess technically it would just be journaling. So I was just journaling everything that had happened, all the thoughts that were in my head, and mainly thoughts about like what the working person went through, like the everyday working man, what they went through. And that's what ended up becoming the, the title of that, those thoughts um, ended up becoming an ebook that I published called Tales of the Everyday Work Man and Woman, just talking about what the average blue collar person has to go through. So when you were writing these journal entries, when you first started, like when you wrote the first entry, what were you thinking? Were you, were you already planning? Um, like, oh, I'm going to turn this into an ebook. I'm going to turn this into something that's going to 
that's going to get me out of this hole I'm in or what were, what was going through your head? I don't, I didn't even know what an ebook was <laughs> when, All right. when I started doing this. I, I didn't know what an e- I didn't touch computers. I wasn't even on social media. I didn't know any of this stuff. My thought um, then was just, this is your way to vent. This is your way to get these words out of your head. Um, when I started thinking about ebook was after I had been writing for a while, I had I was reading USA Today and I ran across a story of a woman named Amanda Hawking, who was a 19-year-old CNA certified nursing assistant from Minnesota. And I had lived in Wisconsin at the time. And I'd read the story of how she self-published, which was something I had never heard of before. She self-published her books and she uh, her eight books and she sold a million copies in eight months. And wow. so I thought, oh man, if this girl who's in the state next to me can put these books out there in this self-publishing thing and sell a million, why couldn't I just take all these thoughts that I had written, put them together in this ebook thing and sell a few copies? I didn't need to sell a million like her, but I just needed to send sell enough to make enough income to leave my day job. And so I was pretty excited because if she could sell a million, you know, 10 or 20,000 did not seem impossible at all. It, it just seemed like it was a very attainable goal. But of course, I didn't understand all that went into that. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you said she's only 19. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. And that was in 2011, you know, so she's um, a little bit older than I am now. But I mean, she ended up getting a book deal with Random House for $2.5 million. She is now a New York Times bestselling author. Of course, her books have become mega, mega popular. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, so you're in this position where you've, you've been journaling for a little bit and then you discover this girl, this 19-year-old girl who sold a million copies. Is that kind of when you started thinking, wait a second, maybe this journaling can become something more? Or how did that yeah. go down? Yeah, definitely. At that point, I thought this could be my way to escape, escape this job that I hated so bad. What, what were kind of like your very first steps towards transitioning from journaling to actually trying to turn your writing into something real? Well, I knew that I needed a website. Um, that's something that I had seen everywhere. I needed a website. I knew that I needed this book to be done professionally because just being a high school dropout, I did end up going back and getting my GD. But being a high school dropout, I knew that grammar was not my strong suit. So I knew that I needed somebody who knew it better than I did. Um, and I looked into the cost of all this stuff. And for the website, to get the book done, cover, grammating, grammar, formatting, all that, it was about 900 bucks. And so that's what the first immediate goal was. And I didn't have that money at the time. So to make it, I had to cut my neighbor's grass. I had to wash cars. I had to clean houses. I had to do whatever it took to come up with this money. And that's what I did for that whole summer is just worked odd jobs so that I could have money to uh, pay for all this stuff. So that was the immediate step. Then I knew I needed to join social media, um, something that I had put off for a long time because I just was, I was one of those people that said, I don't want to see what you're eating for breakfast. (laughs) I don't want to see, yeah, just one of those people. Um, and so I didn't, I didn't join social media for a long time. So I did at that point at the at end of 2011. And um, the book, it took a couple months for the book to be put together, but it released in August of 2011. And I kind of just thought I could put it on social media. I could tell family and friends about it, everybody I know. And I thought I could get, scrounge up, you know, probably 100 to 500 sales just from the people in my network. And it turns out that is not the case at all. 
And if there's any authors listening to this, I'm sure they could testify to how hard it is to sell books. Yeah, definitely. So you put all this work into making this ebook, and it sounds like grammar wasn't even your strong suit, and you, you weren't even on social media, and you just made a website for the first time. So that's a yeah. lot. Of, that's a lot of firsts. Um, yeah. But so you finally got this thing together, and then what happened when you launched? I launched the book. Um, it didn't sell anything the first day. I, I ran home from work and I looked at Amazon and there was nothing. There was no sales. And I was a little confused, but I just kept refreshing and checking every hour and there were still no sales. And so by the end of like day three of the quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes over here, the official launch of the book. Right. Um, by day three, I was bitter. I mean, I was bitter. I was angry. So many people had promised that they were going to buy this book. So many of my friends and family and that were supposedly cheering me on. And they did. And I was bitter. And so I went on social media at the end of the third day and I just said, hey, you're all fake. You're not real friends. You're all liars. And pretty much everybody unfriended me except for my wife. And um, she told me at times she was close. But, um, <laughs> but I was I was just crushed. I was really crushed. I, I didn't know anything about the internet. I didn't know anything about marketing, but I had heard so many good things and I'd seen so many Facebook ads and so many different things that were sent to my inbox about how you can self-publish and make make thousands and sell books and live the lab, a laptop lifestyle and all that kind of marketing speak. I saw this and I thought I was going to be able to do it. And when I didn't, I was just crushed and I was bitter. Yeah. And I'm sure that's something so many people can relate to, me included. Um, I think w when you make your first thing, whether that's an ebook or a website or a blog, whatever that might be, uh, you kind of dive into it with this enthusiasm that it's going to take off and it's going to be this awesome experience. But then you quickly realize, wait, I haven't actually done any marketing. I don't really know what I'm doing. And it just doesn't go as well as you'd like. So how, what, what kept you going? It seems like it would be so easy at that moment to just say, you know, forget this. I, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, which would be totally fair for you to have said, but why, why didn't you? Well, I had a good group of friends and they were, um, a mastermind before you could even, before I even knew what that word meant, they were a mastermind. And so we would talk every day. Um, one friend delivered chips, the other friend delivered bread with me, same company. And so we were on Bluetooth, we're working and we're talking every morning for hours. And so when all this was going down, I would kind of talk it through with them and they didn't understand, but they did understand that this was my dream and that I really wanted to make this happen. And so they just said, hey, they talked me off the ledge, said, hey, you really haven't figured out how to do this. Go do some research. Try to figure out what you can do to, to sell books. And they were, they were the ones that really kind of kept me sane during that time. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really important, having a close network, because if you're on your own, I mean, you can only coax yourself so much. I mean, you quickly get to a point where you really do need other people pushing you in the right direction. So that's awesome. Um, so when you hit that point when the ebook didn't sell and you were kind of feeling down, what were your next steps? What were like the first things you did to, to start researching? 
So I started studying everything on self-publishing that I could find, blogs, podcasts, videos. And I realized that it was just way too much information. And there was no way I was going to be able to take in all this information and actually take action on it. So I realized I had to get selective on what I learned. And I had to stop learning from um, people that it, it sounded appealing because they always bragged about their seven-figure launches and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I thought, that's great for them. But those people probably spent a lot of money to get to where they're at. And I don't have that kind of money. So I needed to learn from people that were aware where I was at, people that were living paycheck to paycheck that that did this while they were doing that and built this on the side. And so that's who I decided to learn from. And I found um, some, some pretty cool guys to learn from, like a guy named Jeff Goins. I found uh, Dan Miller, who has a credible story. He's been an incredible mentor um, to me. And I really started to dive into their content to see what they were doing. Jeff Coins in particular, I probably learned the most just from watching him because one thing that he had done a lot of was he had done a lot of guest posting, meaning he wrote articles um, for other sites and they gave him a link back to his site. So that seemed like it was it's a great way if you don't have an audience at all. Why not write for somebody who does? And when that audience gets exposed to you, then they come back to your world and they um, they come back to your world and they start to see what you're what you're up to. And so I thought, man, this is this is brilliant. And so in 2012, after studying this and seeing uh, this guy named Jeff Goins have success with it, uh, that's what I spent the rest of the year doing. I wrote about 80 articles and I got 50 of them featured on different blogs. I saw that podcasting interviews were something that was really becoming popular. And so I applied for every podcast I could ever find. And in the end, by the end of 2012, I had done 80 podcast interviews. And so come to the end of that year, I had um, half a million visitors to my website from these podcasts and from this guest posting, which was an insane amount of website traffic. I mean, insane amount of website traffic. And so... Um, my books that were my book was on there. I'd self-published a second book in March of 2012. People were starting to see these books. They were starting to see that they were for sale and what they were about. And some people bought those books, and they shared them with friends. And the friends bought the books. And so by the end of 2012, I had sold about 45,000 copies of the two books. And so that had done incredibly well. Um, when the books started selling about mid-year, they really started taking off. I had, there was a social media conference in West Virginia that had seen what was going on. And they said, hey, we see what you're doing with social media and books. We would love it if you can come to our conference and you could speak on how to use social media to sell your books. And I thought, you know, I, I'm not a speaker. I'm not, I'm not going to go speak at some conference, which is, it's crazy talk. But they did offer to pay me. And I needed money, so so that kind of won me over. And my wife too said, "You're gonna go, gonna go speak there." So I went to speak at this conference in West Virginia. I walked on stage, and that turn I walked right back off. Um, seeing those people looking at me, it was just it was too weird. Um, I'm an I'm an introvert, so like being in a group of people, it's like really hard for me. And but I. I thought about my wife, I thought about my friends, and I got back up there, and um, I was terrible. Like, I was really terrible. People said, you are terrible. Um, but okay. they said the content was good. So it was one of those things, just like with the books. I knew I need to research, so I started watching TED Talks. 
um, studying those, read a couple really good books about it and decided I need to get back out there. And on top of that, it was fun to travel and have somebody else pay for it. So I spent the rest of that year finding events and going to them. I mean, I went to events in New York and Australia and London, Paris, um, Los Angeles, all over the country and some so all over this country and some countries all over the world. And so by the end of 2012, I was able to, to pay down a lot of that debt and I was able to quit that job. And so from that point on, I was just completely supported by this. That's so crazy. Yeah. So basically, it sounds like just from doing those guest posts, from putting in that one year of really pushing your content out there to other people's blogs and being on podcasts, that was really what built up your initial audience, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think so many people can kind of get caught up in this loop where they're creating content on their own blog. And it feels so productive when you're making blog posts. And even if those posts are like amazing content, you know, if no one reads them, it's never going to, it's never going to get picked up. So I think that's, I think you really just doubled down on one of the most important things you can do. And yeah, that's exactly why you've been so successful. So that's, that's such a cool uh, case study of guest posting. Well, today, today when somebody interacts with me, like I just spoke at a writer's conference last week in Las Vegas and like after I'm done and, uh, or I'm in the hallway or whatever, people were like, um, you know, can you tell me what's the one thing that you did and what's the one thing that I can do so I can jumpstart and sell more books and blah, 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 blah. And it's always the same thing. And you just hit on it. It's the audience. Because I've seen people with amazing websites, way better than mine, um, way better widgets and blah, 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 but they have no audience for that. And if you only had 10 minutes to do something, I would tell you to spend that 10 minutes building your audience. Yeah. I mean, if if you can write great content, that's, that's awesome and that's probably going to help you down the road. But being able to really just focus and do the grunt work of going out there and finding people one by one. Yeah, I think that that really does pay off. And then um, I just wanted to say as a fun aside, uh, I actually emailed a professor of mine from where I went to college about how I'm starting this podcast. And he invited me to come speak in front of one of his classes because he he teaches reporting. So I'm also an introvert. And <laughs> even though the class is fairly small, I, I definitely had the same reaction that you had. So we'll see how that goes. Wish me luck. You can, you can deal with it because it's actually a rush when you get out there and you just t- kind of tell yourself to have fun and remind yourself that these people are here to see you. Yeah. You know, you're the expert. And I, I even I hate using that word, but it's true. You're the expert. They're, they're there to hear you. And when you can do that and just go have fun and you can smile, um, that's, that's when you can really start getting into it and the crowd feeds off of your energy. I did a, a TEDx talk last month. In California. Now that right there was like one of the most stressful things I've ever done in my life. Mm, yeah, I bet. Yeah, very stressful. I mean, because you only have a certain amount of, you only got uh, 15 minutes. Yeah, they have the big you, timer going, right? Yeah, you got to be, and they'll, they'll shut you down. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be seen by so many people and they there are so many requirements on what you can talk on. So it's, um, after I did that, I'm like, I can do anything now. Yeah, I'm sure it's worth it because afterwards, I'm sure you feel amazing. And then, yeah, you, you gain that confidence and experience. Cool. So, I mean, you've you've come a long way. And now you're, you're kind of a few years into this speaking and writing gig. Um, 
But if we could just go back a little bit to kind of those early days where you're starting to do the guest posts, how did you manage to land those? Because I think a lot of people can be intimidated by that. Um, they might know that they're supposed to do guest posts and then it can be a useful tool, but they don't actually know how to do it. Like what, what's the first step that you take if you want to write a guest post? How do you, how well, do, you do that? For a guest post specifically, it's all about um, making a relationship. And uh, because you're dealing with, unless it's a multi-author blog, you're, you're dealing with a blogger, a person, another person. And so, um, and it's his, and if you have a blog, you know that this is like our, these are our babies. These are, these are our children, right? Right, yeah. So we, we really care a lot about these. So um, if you're going to guest post, you, the blogger has to know that you are in tune. You're in tune with the message. You're in tune with the audience. You understand what's going on. So you make that relationship by connecting with them on social media, preferably Twitter, because you can tweet to anybody. Um, you comment on their blog if they have comments. You share their stuff. Not in an effort to be fake, but an effort to say, hey, I really appreciate this content. It's really helpful to me. I want others to know about it. And when you do that, you get on people's radar. Um, if it's a larger blog, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer. Um, but if it's medium size or maybe a smaller blog, it, it won't take you as long to get on somebody's radar because we're all of us are pretty much a one man show. You know, there's there's a few bigger ones that have more people, but all of us are just one man show. So it doesn't take much for something for you to get on somebody's radar. So start by just simply getting in their world, commenting, sharing, letting them know that, hey, I'm here. I'm part of your community. By doing that as well, you're also going to get a really good feel for their content, how they write, what they write about, what they make videos on, what they podcast on, whichever medium it is. You're going to get a feel for what that content is like and what they put out there to the audience and what the audience responds to. And a lot of times when somebody doesn't land a guest post or they don't land an article somewhere, it is because they've written something that is not for that place. So... There's different things that each of us like to say. Um, maybe we realize it, maybe we don't. And especially when it comes to our blogs, we can say those things in our blog because that's how we talk. Our audience understands that. But when you try to say the same thing somewhere else, it's not going to work because that's a different audience. They respond to things differently. So one of the main reasons people aren't successful is because they're not specifically writing for that place. And if you write an article and say, okay, great, where can I send this now? You've already lost at that point because you did not write an article for that blog or for that site. So if you want to be successful, you got to get a feel for that content. You got to write something specifically for that site in the tone and general feel. You're not going to get it word for word. But the things that you would say in your blog, the overall way that you would talk, um, you have to kind of leave that at the door and really learn how to adjust. And one of the most important parts of writing that often gets overlooked is research. You have to research, research, research. All good writers research everything. Um, I met an author of a New York Times, he's a four-time New York Times bestselling author, he's written 17 books. And he'll spend about six months researching before he'll ever put a word on paper. Um, we need to spend six months? No. But you do need to research the content for that site. So you build some relationships, you've researched, write something, write something specifically for that site and that style. When I say that style, I mean, is it going to be something that's like a list, a listicle where you're listing out numbers? Is it going to be more of a free flowing post? 
Um, how many words is it going to be? How big are the paragraphs normally? Um, what what kind of style does the does a, does the blogger like? Do they like it in first person, third person? How how, how do they like their content? But doing your research is going to help you figure those things out. Once you've written the article, then it's a matter of emailing the blogger and saying, "Hey, you know who I am. You know I'm a part of your community. I've written something that I think would be a really great guest post for your site." Here are some writing samples, send them some writing samples so that they know that you, they can get a feel for your work, and then put the article in the body of the email. Um, do not send an attachment. Most people like to send things in Microsoft Word, which is fine, but nobody's going to open that, especially if they don't know you. So always send it in the body email, plus it just makes it cleaner and easier if it's all there in one spot. So send that to them, and they'll tell you. They're going to say yes, they're going to say no, or they'll say edit something. But if they say no, it's not the end of the world. Um, there's 250 million blogs. 250 million. So guess what? If somebody says no, there's another blog out there that you can submit to and probably land. But if they say no or if they say, hey, adjust something, do what they're asking. Figure out where you went wrong. I mean, it took four tries before I got on, on Michael Hyatt's blog. Michael Hyatt is somebody that I greatly respect. It took four tries before I got on there. Um, and, and so I, I didn't give up and it was, it was well worth the struggle. So do your research, write something that's specifically on brand for that place. And honestly, nine times out of 10, it's going to be the content that speaks for itself. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great guide to writing a guest post and just something I thought of when you were talking, um, you know, if you're going to study a blog and make note of like the style that they're writing in, the size of their paragraphs, you could actually make a spreadsheet or some sort of checklist where you you just go to these blogs and you actually mark down blog X. Like they write in this style. It's the paragraphs are this size. They use this many sentences. And then you can just have this this ongoing document that that has all that documented. And then you can just kind of hammer out the guest posts like you did. And I think that would that would help if you're trying to do kind of bulk orders. Um, for guest posting. Yeah, I've even seen people hire virtual assistants to do that. They'll hire virtual assistants to find the blogs, to find who they have to contact, maybe to even start the initial um, connection through through social media. So yeah, it's what we can do today is crazy. Yeah, anything you can do to kind of make uh, a lot of work easy is definitely, definitely worth looking into at least. Sweet. And uh, one other just thing that popped into my head while you're talking, uh, I think... Writing guest posts or pitching them is a lot like applying to jobs <laughs> or writing a cover letter, really. I mean, if you, don't, if you don't research the company you're trying to work for and you write a generic cover letter, chances are they're not going to hire you. And I mean, you can send it to like 50 job openings and one of them might say yes. But the really good companies, the ones that really matter, the jobs that you really want, probably aren't going to say yes unless you write a really personal cover letter. So same for guest posts. Make sure you know exactly who you're talking to. And make sure you actually want to write for them. I think that's that's also important. Yeah, any way you can stand out with any of this, especially when there's a lot of people trying to do the same thing, um, even online, any way you can stand out is definitely going to go leaps and bounds for you. Awesome. Cool. So that was super useful. Um, I feel like I got a lot out of that, and I'm definitely going to put that to use in my own guest posts. Um, so you you're 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 a podcaster, that's right. You have this podcast yeah. and you're a writer. But think about this. What if you can combine both, 
right? Because that's the that's the where we the world we live in today is we live in a very multimedia world. So if you are like that, or if you're a writer and a podcaster, guess what? Um, you can embed a SoundCloud link in your articles, in your guest post, or in, in your guest post or articles that you write maybe for a larger site. Um, you can embed SoundCloud, and you got the best of both worlds at that point. Yeah, that's genius. Um, <laughs> that hadn't <laughs> even occurred to me. Um, but I'm definitely going to do that when I write a guest post. I can put a podcast episode in there that's related to the content. Oh man, it's wow. blew I've my seen mind. Some, <laughs> some people like I've seen some people like Lewis Howes. Now he he writes articles for well, probably his virtual assistants writing articles for um, Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's embedding his SoundCloud player for his podcast in there, and he's getting like sixty thousand sixty thousand downloads on SoundCloud. Yeah, wow, that's that's a fantastic idea. Um, so. I wanted to just transition away from kind of like the tactics because I think we've gotten a ton out of that and just talk about how you actually psychologically went from running this this bread truck franchise um, to making those first steps. And I know you said you had a great support group, which I think really helps. But like, what what happened that made you start to think like I can do this? Or even even consider that being a writer was an option. Like, what what were the events that happened? Uh, well, I don't know if it's necessary. The events were I was forced to to really just get this thought out of my head, so I started writing again. Um, writing was always in me. It was always in my blood. It was always something I wanted to do. So it was always there. I just needed like an external motivator, which was if if it was one thing, if you want to pinpoint one thing. Thatcher, it was um, it was uh, Dan Miller's book, Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love, and when I read that book, um, it wasn't so much about leaving a job in forty eight days. It was more so about the mindset that could help you leave a job in forty eight days. So how you think about yourself, about your dreams, about your life, that's going to affect the actions that you take. So when I read that book, and it was just saying, hey. Um, the way you're thinking now is affecting what you're going to do. And it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And that book showed me that it is possible to do this. It is possible to have a job to, to create, find or create work that you love. It, it helped me believe and it helped a shift start to happen in my mind where I thought, man, this isn't just for other people. This is something that I could do. I could do this. And once I started having that shift in my mind, that's what allowed me to be able to even think about writing. So yeah, I mean you're you're kind of at, you know, the you've made it. You're at the point where you've made it to for most people. So could you kind of tell us uh, you know, after you've used all these tactics and you've done all this work, where are you at right now? What what does your life look like after you've done all these things? What's going on? You know, since that since that day in 2011 where everything kind of fell apart and now yeah, I did end up losing those 170 pounds. My books have sold over 100,000 copies. I got the book deal with the publisher. We moved our family from Milwaukee to Maui, Hawaii, which is where we're, where I'm talking to you from now. And every day, you know, I, I joked when you asked, what, what do I do? And I say, I play. I mean, um, that's the kind of life that I created, a kind of life where people look at this and they're like, are you working or are you playing? And I'm like, I'm doing both. <laughs> <laughs> I, awesome. get, I get paid to work. And so it, the one thing that I, that I would want people to take away is we talked about a lot of things in a short amount of time, you know, half an hour. But it took, 
years and years and years to make happen. But if you can get committed, if you can have that mindset that I'm going to stick it through, whatever your dream is, and all of us have different dreams, you can do it. And so just make that shift in your mind when you're going through those difficult times, have a good support system. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. Have a good support system. Even if it's just one other friend or family member, have a good support system. And remember why you're doing this. Always keep that in mind, why you're doing this. And um, you can reach wherever success means to you. That's where you can reach. Um, You can find out more about me at KamanziConstable.com. That's K-I-M-A-N-Z-I-C-O-N-S-T-A-B-L-E. Um, you'll find everything you need to find about me there. But more than anything, I just want somebody to walk away with this, especially somebody who's discouraged. Because I know, I remember listening to podcasts like this when I was discouraged and when I was broken. And these podcasts got me through, man. Um, listening to Pat Flynn early in the morning at 3 a.m. while I'm delivering bread, hearing about his income reports and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, dude, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to do this stuff. You know, that that got me through. So I just hope that this this could help you a little bit. Feel free to email me. Tell me what your dream is. If you need help, email me and ask for help, dude. I'll help you. So um, just stay the course. Don't live a life of regret. Don't give up. Awesome. Well, you definitely lived up to the title of the podcast there. That was awesome. Thank you, Kamanzi, once again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Thanks for having me. Alrighty, that'll do it. That's the episode with Kamanzi Constable. He is a super cool guy, and his story is crazy. I didn't like; it was hard to believe at first that he went from um, being a bread guy to like he speaks at really big events. Like he's he's not he's not a small character. He's a pretty big deal. So that is really cool, and definitely motivated me to to work a little harder. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider giving it a review. Uh, it helps a ton, helps the show grow, helps more people discover it. So I'd really appreciate that. And if you want to find out more about other guests and other episodes all in one place, you can just head over to rethinkmotivation.com, just the name of the podcast.com. And uh, you can yeah find all that information and then... You can find my contact information if you want to shoot me an email. It's uh, thatcher at rethinkmotivation.com. And other than that, thank you so much for listening week after week. I really appreciate it. This is uh, interview number four, and we're about to hit interview number five. We're still new, but you know we're, we're growing every day and every week. So thanks again for listening, and I will talk to you next week.